The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not much. Uh, playoffs are here. The other playoffs are here. The Mets are winning. The Life is good right now. Um, all of those things are very temporary. Oh, you try to say life is good as my life is good as temporary. No, I meant the first three things that you said. Oh, playoffs, playoffs, and Mets winning. Yes, particularly that last one. <sighs> Haters in the building. <laughs> We're glad that's that. That's okay. That's that is okay. I, I I'm I'm aware of the cycle of being a Mets fan. Build me up for the letdown, and then renewed optimism in October. And November, and then we do it all over again. Well, congratulations on your five pitcher no hitter, though. That's that was pretty cool. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, we're here on another score from the CSPN. You can find us on the web at CSPN.us. You can also find another score through all your podcast apps and usual places that you listen to podcasts on. We're going to get into the NFL draft, though, to start out, where that took place last week. A lot of intrigue coming into this draft because uh, everybody pretty much knew that the quarterbacks weren't going to be the center of attention, which is usually, you know, what drives the ratings for this uh, NFL draft is, you know, those uh, upper picks and where the quarterbacks are going to land. But everybody kind of had a idea that this was going to be a defense and wide receiver heavy first round, and it did not disappoint as Trayvon Walker from Georgia. He was the number one pick. He went to the Jaguars. Uh, the Detroit Lions wasted no time making Aiden Hutchinson uh, from Michigan the number two pick. Your, your Panthers did the smart thing. They did not get swept up. In the we need a quarterback sweepstakes too early, and they selected offensive lineman Ike Ikwanu out of NC State at number six. Staying home, uh, Kenny Pickett, he was the only QB selected in the first round. He's staying close to home as he was selected by Pittsburgh. Um, the first five selections of the draft were defensive players. Uh, we also had six wide receivers picked in the first round this year. Uh, the Commanders were a part of those uh, drafting the six wide receivers as they got Jahan Dotson out of uh, Penn State. But the bigger news was that they selected quarterback Sam Howe out of North Carolina in the fifth round. And if you look at any draft analysis or uh, any talking head shows, the New York Jets were considered the winners of the draft, drafting Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, and Jermaine Johnson all in the first round. Now, yeah. we'll go back and we'll talk about your team specifically, the Panthers. 
had a very productive draft, I think a lot of people would say. Uh, they got some extra picks to get back into the later rounds and ended up picking uh, Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral as well uh, in this draft. So just uh, weigh in your thoughts personally on the Carolina Panthers and their draft. I thought it was a good draft. I mean, they addressed uh, probably the glaring need was on the offensive line, which they also addressed a lot of that in in uh, free agency as well. But um, but yeah, there's the first round selection. Um, Icky was a huge uh, pickup for for them. I think it's probably the first offensive tap on first round since Jordan Gross, and probably the on paper, you know. Uh, the best first round uh, prospect in, since McCaffrey, uh, for being honest, and DJ Moore, and then also, uh, with, like I said, with the additions they've made on the offensive line, whoever is the uh, quarterback is probably going to be, um, it's probably going to be uh, Sam Darnold, most likely, obviously, but. Um, I do like I do like the moves that they made. I think they I think it was a lot of these moves were needed on the offensive line. Uh you got uh Bradley Bozeman from Baltimore. Uh he's gonna be the new center. Uh you got Austin Corbett coming from the Rams, uh Taylor Moton of course, and then you you add um, uh, you add uh, you add Icky to the mix, and now you got a pretty solid offensive line on paper right there. So uh, that's a good that was a good first round pick, best offensive lineman in the draft. Not bad at it at all. Uh, definitely did it buy into the the um, Scott Federer did a great job not buying into the um, the QB hype. And then things of that sort. And then uh, another shrewd move, getting uh, getting back in the third round, getting uh, Matt Corral. I do like um, what he can bring with his arm. A lot of flack for, you know, running the RPO and not really like a lot of pro offense. But, you know, as long as the quarterback has time to throw and he can use his legs as well. You have a chance to be successful. Um, a lot of, a lot of this will also hinge on the health of McCaffrey. They did shop around just to see what was out there. Uh, he did get a contract um, adjustment, which restructured the deal. Um, and so, if McCaffrey can remain healthy, then the Panthers have. I might have a better chance than than what they had last year, definitely. So, uh, very impressed with the draft. Uh, some uh, notable picks: Brandon Smith from Penn State uh, added to the linebacker core. Man has a great motor on him, uh, and I was very impressed with what I saw from there and uh, a couple other players. But those three really stood out: Corral, Smith, and and um, Icky and. We shall see what happens. I think the Panthers 
did get a do did do their due diligence and made the right choices and now we just got to see that play out on paper um hopefully it won't be as bad as you know greg little or something of that sort the commanders um pretty solid draft i thought that we got pretty much everything that we needed except for a linebacker surprisingly um Got a lot of older players, guys who played four years, uh, in some cases five years. So a lot of guys who may not have these tremendous uh, upsides, but guys who are just going to be solid first-year contributors in a season where the commanders need to really have success. That's probably a smart tack to take uh, in the draft. I think the only real project that they did draft was Sam Howell. And I think just about every quarterback in college at this point is going to be falling to the same thing where everybody's going to have a knock on them due to the RPO uh, heavy systems that most of these college teams employ. I mean, you rarely have teams out here nowadays running those true traditional pro style, quote unquote, offenses where you've got, you know, guys you know, and two tight ends and heavy formations and, you know, eye form and under center and, and you know, taking big seven-step, five-step drops and things like that. So um, the gap between NFL offense and college offense has probably never been bigger um, than it is right now. And I think that that's going to make just trying to evaluate draft and determine if a quarterback is good for the NFL that much harder in the years to come because I don't see college going away from the RPO. I, th- I think the RPO is just going to become bigger and bigger and more of a part of what they're doing in their game. It allows them to play fast. It allows them to not really have to have a big old playbook either. Um, you know, it's a lot easier for the kids to learn the offenses and they can play with tempo and rhythm, which is kind of what college is all about, uh, trying to get as many plays in as you can. So uh, I just think that's going to make evaluating quarterbacks much harder uh, in the in the next few years. But uh, all in all, just think they got some real solid players who can contribute as rookies, uh, which will definitely help uh, the team this year. Uh, some key spots, especially a running back, uh, receiver, safety. Um, so looking forward to kind of what the rookies do, hopefully, as with all the rookies and, and everybody in the NFL. Hopefully everybody gets through training camp injury-free. No, that's not the case, but at least we can put the good vibes out there now. And, uh, you know, hopefully it will benefit your favorite team. Uh, but, you know, the draft this year – Dominated by defense, dominated by receivers. Uh, Malik Willis, third-round draft pick to the Titans. Titans made a lot of noise by trading A.J. Brown during the draft. Um, Also, Hollywood Brown got traded during the draft from the uh, Baltimore Ravens to the Cardinals. Uh, So um, there was news there. No news on Baker Mayfield, as it looks like Baker Mayfield may be outside of the league for a year have to wait till next year to get back in um, because the market has significantly dried up for him after the Panthers went out and 
selected Matt Corral uh, in the draft. So unless Seattle comes back around uh, during the training camp or there's a major injury to a starter starting quarterback, um, it doesn't look like Baker Mayfield is going to have a landing spot. Uh, some other news and notes, DeAndre Hopkins has been suspended first seven games of the season due to violating the drug slash PED policy. Um, Which is probably the reason why they got Hollywood Brown to begin with because Christian Kirk went to Jacksonville. Right. So um, Cardinals are going to be without their most important playmaker uh, for the first half of the season. So uh, we saw how they uh, fizzled out last year without DeAndre Hopkins. So we'll see how they can start this year without him. Um, and that's pretty much the biggest NFL news as far as uh, on the field, off the field transactions type stuff. Debo Samuel's uh, still waiting to get traded. Haven't heard anything from the 49ers. Don't think that is going to happen. Um, but, you know, it's still a long, long time away until September comes. So, um, right. and then John Lynch isn't just going to give them up for nothing. So, mm hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, anything else that you'd like to add before we move on from the NFL draft? Yeah, I mean, with the Cardinals, I mean, we still have, I mean, you know, we haven't heard much since he has joined the Cardinals. We still have A.J. Green on the roster. Um, of course, yeah, probably the most um, – by the most uh, quiet retirement ever, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, basically said he was not returning to play the NFL back in February, but um, he did it his way very, very quietly. Hasn't played since 2020 anyway. Um, but, yeah, so the Cardinals, I think they if, – if A.J. Green can go back to Cincinnati, A.J. Green for those next six games with – Brown on the other side, I think they can be okay. Kyler Murray has uh, reaffirmed his commitment to play for Arizona. Um, obviously, he wants that um, extension, which I believe he'll get in time, but he's just got to be patient. And, um, and the, you know, patience is not his strong point from what it looks like. So, um, I think I think Gang Green did a great job. The Jets did a great job in this draft. They utilized they utilized those picks that they had, not just their own pick, but the pick they got from Seattle and the and the other pick they acquired as well. Um so they they definitely hit the nail on the head. Um hope, you know, hopefully for for them and you know fun fact I was I was a huge Jets fan before the Panthers came into existence so there's still um, there's still a spot for them and I hope they get it together Um, they have a good coach they have a good thing in place and we'll just have to see how that goes Um, that's really all that I have um Really, nothing to say about Baker Mayfield. I think at this point is more of a character issue than a player issue because we know he can ball his ass off. But 
I really think the OBJ situation really hit hit him hard. And this is why and I think teams are looking at more chemistry than anything else. Everybody thought Odell was the problem, but Odell goes to Los Angeles and gets a Super Bowl. Super Bowl ring. Um, the Browns missed the playoffs in spite of playing with the torn labor room. That still apparently wasn't really enough for the team to move on from him by handing Deshaun Lawson $230 million. Uh, hey, man, that's a whole lot of money. A whole lot of money. That's uh, guaranteed. <laughs> yep, guaranteed. So, um, and when you really look at, you really can go down the list and try to see where a remote fit is, and you really can't find one now, especially now after this draft is over. Um, you know, I can't think of a I can't think of a immediate landing spot um, for him. So I uh, just have to be just have to like you said, probably just kind of sit this one out and and um, hopefully like hopefully we'll see what happens. The Panthers have been more focused, even trying to get Cam back before even considering Baker an option. So there's that. Take that as you will. Which is very interesting. Um, because at this point, you would think that, you know, former first-round pick playing with injury. I think that's the thing that happened more than anything, man. Baker Mayfield played with that injury when he probably should have just sat down. Mm-hmm. And then at the same point, he – took it personal personal the things that were happening during this offseason. I mean, players get told one thing and then something happens, I'm pretty sure, all the time. But they don't take it personal. They understand it's the business, you know, and things change. Hey, at that moment, you told me they wasn't in the runner for Deshaun Watson. But now things done changed, and, you know, he didn't look at it as they were just conducting business. He took it as personal and then he went and did the emotional thing and put all the information out there on Instagram and things like that and then you know that leads him open to nobody backing him nobody sticking up for him inside the team and the team being able to be like oh you know well he's immature he's too emotional and so forth and so on so he just didn't help himself at all with the way that he reacted to um, you know, the pursuit of, Desha- of Deshaun Watson uh, by Cleveland. But, you know, it's the NFL. People get hurt all the time um, in training camp. You know, there's people who get cut and things like that. I think uh, what I heard a big reason why a lot of teams are staying away um, is just that Cleveland is not budging on coming up to pay some of the money. They don't want to. They want somebody else to take on the $19 million. Um, okay. Carolina's not doing that because they're already do 18 for Sam Darnold. Which looks, which would have been like, you know, if Washington could have waited a little bit, I would rather pay Baker $19 million for one season to just kind of bridge 
Then pay Carson Wentz 18, I mean 28, excuse me. Right. But, you know, that's what happens when you make moves out of desperation and not really kind of just waiting up. You know, we just didn't have enough patience. If we could have just waited another week, you know what I'm saying? Not that we were going to give Deshaun Watson $30 million, but, you know, you could have had Baker Mayfield for a little less money than you're paying Wentz, which would have freed made more money available to keep somebody like um, Landon Collins or be able to go ahead yeah. and have money available to sh- to sign uh, Terry McLaurin uh, to his next deal. So or even sign a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, just some of the ramifications that that come about from um, moving too fast or being desperate uh, uh, as the commanders kind of could have waited it out a little bit more for the musical chairs of the quarterback uh, carousel to stop a little bit. But uh, we're going to shift over to the NHL playoffs here on Know the Score. I'm your, I'm your host, Don DeLorente, here with uh, my co-host, Dwayne, who is extremely excited. This is his favorite time of the year, folks. If you have not noticed, uh, we're going to run through where the series stand currently, and then we'll kind of pick and choose around some of the the matchups. Uh, the Hurricanes. You know what, you know what, what we're really going to talk about. Currently That's leading fun. the Bruins two to nothing. Lightning and Maple Leafs are tied at one game apiece. Blues and Wild also tied at one game apiece, as are the Kings and Oilers. Uh, we have games pending tonight between the Pens and Rangers, where the Penguins are up one nothing. The Capitals and Panthers, where the Capitals are up one nothing. Avalanche and the Predators, where the Avalanche are leading one nothing. And the Stars and Flames, where the Stars, excuse me, the Flames, excuse me, are up one to nothing. So, Dwayne, um, we'll let you go ahead and uh, catch the people up and let you do that hockey, as uh, Tracy Morgan would say. All right, so let me start with the Stars and the Flames because these two teams hate each other. The first two minutes of the game, everybody started throwing haymakers at each other. Um, Two players were ejected, uh, but Flames ended up up, um, uh, winning the game 1-0. Jacob Marstrom, 16 saves in the shutout, just a stellar performance. One thing about hockey in Alberta and Calgary in particular, that sea of red um, is a sight to see, and the Flames are definitely a threat in the West. Um, Shifting to two teams I really wish they could end in a tie and just eliminate themselves, the Oilers and the Kings. I'll probably go with the lesser of the two evils, the Oilers, because I absolutely despise the Los Angeles Kings. Um, I'm still not over that 2015 reverse sweep of the Sharks. Um, but the Oilers bounced back after losing game one. Uh, they won six to nothing in that one. Um, um, unfortunately, Vander Kane had two goals in this matchup. Um Leon Dreisaitl scored his second as well. And and um, this series is tied at one after L.A. stole home ice on the road, which is basically what they set out to do. Another team that stole home ice in the West, uh, the St. Louis Blues, they took game one from the Minnesota Wild for nothing. 
Then the Wild come back in game two, win six to two. Uh, so they at least St. Paul with a split. Um, the Blues will play game three in games three and four St. Louis on Friday and Sunday before coming back to Minnesota for game five on Tuesday. Um, <laughs> and probably the laugher of this um, first round so far, the National Predators, who the last time they came into the playoffs with the fewest points in the in the field, they ended up making a run to the Stanley Cup in 2017. Um, but giving up five goals in the first period to the Colorado Avalanche is not an ideal start to this um, series. They lost game one, seven to two. Um, they're going to have to find a way to bounce back. They are how they are without UC Soros, their starting goaltender. Um, he had a injury at, in the last game of the season, so he's been out for at least the first two games. Um, they are hoping he'll be back Saturday for game three, um, which will be at Bridgestone on Saturday afternoon. Shifting to the east, um, shifting to the east, um, we know the Toronto Maple Leafs have had multiple playoff failures over the last few years. Going up against the two-time defending champion Lightning, they looked impressive in the first game, winning five nothing. Then they dropped game two, five to three. And so now games um, three and four will be in uh, in uh, Tampa Friday and Sunday. Lightning have a chance to go up a commanding 3-1 lead. I honestly, the Lightning are the two-time defending champs. The Maple Leafs haven't won a playoff series in God knows how long. Um, I really don't know, but it's been a long time. Um, since Toronto's won the playoff series, and and um, my money's on the Lightning still. I don't trust Toronto. If I was a betting man, I would not trust them. Um, probably the probably um, the most impressive um, series. So the impressive performance of the series so far. Had to go to uh, had to go to uh, Carolina Hurricanes rookie goaltender Piotr Kachetov made thirty saves in relief after Antiranta got injured um, by uh, David Pasternak in the uh, first period of Game Two. Um, he comes in, makes thirty saves, and Carolina beat Boston five to two. That was following a five to one victory. In the first two games in Raleigh, games three and four at the Garden in Boston Friday and Sunday. Um, Hurricanes looking really good at home. Uh, We'll see if Boston can respond on the road. I think the Hurricanes win this one in five. Um, If Boston doesn't get together, it'll be a clean sweep, uh, definitely. Um, Probably the shocker, well, not even a shocker if you really consider who's on the other side here, but uh, the Washington Capitals beating the Florida Panthers. Um, they beat them in game one of their series, four to two. And the Capitals scored twice in the third to get the win. And they are three times, I should say. And 
They lead the series one to nothing. It's a shocker more because the Panthers are the President's Trophy holders. They had 122 points this season, best team in the NHL. Um, earned a home ice, but uh, the Capitals already stole home ice. So it will be very interesting to see if Ovechkin and company can go up two games to none. And, you know, for um, a guy, you know, really got a spot for the Panthers only because of Joe Thornton, his 25th NHL season, trying to get the elusive Stanley Cup. Uh, he fell short with the Sharks in 16. Um, but we are definitely trying trying to get that cup. But uh, the Capitals are Alexander Ovechkin trying to get another one under his mantle for Washington. And then the game of the, the first eight or yeah, first eight or twelve so far. The uh, Pittsburgh Penguins beating the New York Rangers in a triple overtime classic, uh, four to three. Um, Igor Shesterskin of the Rangers made seventy nine saves in this game. Um, the Penguins goalie, the starting goalie, actually got pulled in double overtime uh, in relief. Probably fatigue set in, but. Evgeny Malkin scored the game on the goal at pocket at the eight in the third overtime. Um, in the in this newer, faster version of the NHL, uh, triple overtime game is completely unheard of nowadays. But this was an epic matchup. Yeah, especially uh, when your overtime is you know four on four. Right, exactly, and so so that just shows a testament of the goalie play in those extra periods. And Pittsburgh wins. It's going to be very interesting uh, when these two teams square off in less than an hour from now in Game Two on TNT. Um, as I'll talk about the series that I'm uh, more intimately familiar with, um, for the first time that we've matched up against the the Hurricanes, that is, has matched up against the Bruins in the playoffs. The Hurricanes are the better team, and they are significantly the better team. And Boston knows that they are the better team. And last night, Boston came out to try to be physical with the Canes, to rough them up, to try to get them to take dumb penalties, uh, to try to get them, you know, basically off of their game where the, you know, to drop their talent level. And they didn't fall for it. Um, Unfortunate with Auntie Ranta, a call that was called a major uh, penalty for goalie interference, and they reviewed it and then went back down to a minor, which is not the way that that should have been called. They should have called it a minor penalty and then reviewed it to see if it was a major penalty. Uh, I think it would have went over a lot better than it did, especially uh, there at the PNC Arena. But uh, Hurricanes defense um, was much better in this game. Uh, started off uh, much better than game one. Game two, Hurricanes had a 2 nothing lead after uh, the first period, had a 3 nothing lead about two minutes into the second period. Uh, so uh, they were in control of the game for most of the night, uh, two power play goals as well. So um, 
Boston is not the team that they were three years ago, two years ago. Um, but that doesn't matter to Carolina because they owe Boston. You kind of need to avenge playoff defeats and losses as you make your way to the cup and any type of playoff, you know, situation. So this will be the Hurricanes' first step getting past the Bruins. They will have, uh, you know, kind of exercise that demon uh, that they've run up against the last couple of years in the playoffs. And then I think next it would be uh, either the Lightning or the Maple Leafs. Uh, last year, the Lightning uh, dismantled the Hurricanes in the semifinals of the Eastern Conference playoffs. So uh, that would be another um, you know, foe that from last year's uh, or last couple of years playoffs that they would have to go through. But I think those are the kind of the steps. You wouldn't need to the Eastern Conference Finals. Eastern though. Conference Finals. Uh, so we get the, who we get next then depends on the, the Rangers. Ranger winner. Okay, all right. So they played well against both of those teams uh, this mm-hmm. year, Penguins and Rangers. Um, it, I mean, it's going to come down to the health of the Hurricanes at goalie at this point. I mean, the rookie, I mean, it's, it's not unprecedented before in this team's history for a rookie goaltender to, to, to lead them to the promised land. But I, I think for just the confidence and kind of the consistency, everybody uh, that's associated with the Carolina Hurricanes would like to see Freddie Anderson uh, come back, be at his top form, and, uh, and guide us through these playoffs. But if it has to be goaltender by committee, they've shown that they are capable and um, looking for a fun ride uh, throughout the playoffs for the for the Carolina Hurricanes. It's been electric in the building as, you know, the playoffs are definitely a different animal. Um, last night, though, one of the most physical hockey games I've ever seen in person. Um, Andre Feshnikov just laid out Lindholm for Boston with a clean shot. Um Lots of skirmishes, lots of after the, you know, whistle type things going on. Uh, even after the final horn sounded last night, there are, you know, three or four skirmishes breaking out. So um, expect the same thing to happen on Friday. And uh, hopefully the Hurricanes come out on top again. And, uh, you know, there'll be a, a chance to get some rest uh, before they move into the next series. But uh, so far, so good. Uh, as long as the health continues to be on the hurricane side. Uh, they could be playing for a very, very long time. Yeah, definitely. And then, speaking of, um, well, speaking of Carolina hockey, I won't say, um, uh, well, let me rephrase that. Uh, the Hurricanes, uh, minor league affiliates, Chicago Wolves in the in the uh, Central Division semis, they are awaiting the winner of uh, they're waiting the winner of Rockford in Texas and the next round um, the Charlotte Checkers who are the affiliate for the Florida Panthers now uh, they are and they are still technically the reigning Calder Cup holder since the Calder Cup has not been played for since 2019 they cancelled it due to COVID in 2020 and 2021 uh, the checkers are in the next round. They get Bridgeport in the they get Bridgeport in the next round. So just a little minor league tidbit there. Um, I 
the one thing about hockey, though, is the better team on paper can sometimes falter. Um, we've seen it's not it's not like the NBA where usually you'll see the top seed you'll see the top seed um, move on pretty easily. Um, there have been a lot of teams, and I think this is kind of like you know more towards the Florida Panthers here because. You have the best regular season record, but the playoffs are a whole different animal. Uh, Let me me just jump in. That's the reason why I was so happy Carolina won the Metropolitan. I did not want to play Washington. You just don't want to play Ovechkin in this high-pressure situation, man, just because, I mean, he's just so good. You know, all it takes is, you know what I'm saying, you to have – Small lapses on defense, and he can make you pay. Right, and in the it's funny you said you mentioned Ovechkin because he and John Carlson had him basically they had a players only meeting at the towards the end of the season, just telling the these two leading the team was basically saying, "Hey, look, um, if you guys want to make it to the playoffs, so if you want to go far in this." Else. We got to ratchet up the intensity, and that's what led Washington to kind of run away um, with Boston for those final two playoff spots, and and um, and so this is definitely, and yeah, even it, even with um, it's just fortunate Washington, Florida. You're actually more glad Florida won the President's Trophy versus. Carolina winning the President's Trophy in the top seed in the East because that top seed would uh that top seed got Washington and that second seed got Boston so because um, the last two are just wild cards so and the two and the three seeds play each other instead um, within the divisions so getting letting kind of letting Florida get that President's Trophy was really the best thing for the Hurricanes. I'm sure. I'm sure having that president's trophy would have been nice, but you know, that president's trophy can sometimes come with a curse because you win that regular season record, and then you not you sometimes not necessarily get to the Stanley Cup. So um, it happened, uh, and and like I said, um, the Predators they had the lowest amount of points in that. 2017 run. They have the lowest amount of points out of all the playoff teams this time around, but um, looking at had they not lost to Arizona in the game they really should have won, they were up 4-1. to one. They would actually be playing the Flames instead of the Avalanche, and the Avalanche literally buried them in the first 12 minutes of the game. Yep, so we'll keep everybody updated as the NHL playoffs um, make their way from the first round into the second round and so forth. Uh, Hurricanes have got two wins on their way to 16. That's the goal, and uh, we'll see if they can accomplish that. Next up on the docket, NBA playoffs. Uh, I guess we got to start in Brooklyn, where the Nets were were swept by the Celtics. 
Um, yeah. Game three, game four, pretty competitive. First, uh, The first game was a buzzer beater won by Jason Tatum literally at the buzzer. Uh, game two, uh, Celtics handled themselves and showed the Nets uh, showed the Nets up. Game three, Nets showed good fight, but Celtics made the plays, uh, made the winning plays at the end. And then game four, uh, Celtics were pretty much in control until Jason Tatum fouled out in the last like two and a half minutes. Made that game a little bit closer on the scoreboard uh, than it actually was. Um, First, just talk about your Celtics. Uh, you know, we have to take this series by series. Um, you know, every team is different as far as the opponent goes. But uh, right. just your thoughts about how they look as a team, as a squad against the Nets. Look really, they look really good. I think that first game of the series uh, was the most competitive. Uh, you really saw the but you saw the togetherness that they had uh, and the resolve that they had. And just uh, one thing that has impressed me all season with this team, especially since the turn of the year, because that's when things really started taking off, was and is the ball movement. This team moves the ball really well. And that was one of the keys in that game one game one win and the awareness of Jason Tatum at such a young age not instead of standing there waiting for a three he cuts to the basket and then he makes that beautiful spin move on Kyrie Irving of all people in Boston uh, after Kyrie was you know going at it with the Boston fans and so um, but yeah the ball movement was really what stood out to me and it, and it in game two, that's it repeated, and it really repeated itself in this whole series. I think um, even when Robert Williams kind of came back from his injury, the um, from his uh, torn meniscus, he he looked he looked pretty good. Um, game four, we saw the Nets uh, battle, but you know, like you said, everything kind of fell apart when Tatum fouled out. Uh, the Nets put up a good rally, a good fight towards the end, but just wasn't enough, and that enabled the seeds for the sweep. But definitely the ball movement, the attention to detail. Um, Yumei Doka has done a great job with this team. Um, he's going to get votes for Coach of the Year, but I really think that should go to either Monty Williams or Taylor Jenkins. Um I really think Taylor Jenkins should be my that's my personal choice. Uh, what Monty has done has been remarkable, but uh, Taylor Jenkins um, has guided this team without their star player to a high record in the number two seed in the West when nobody really kind of had him up that high to begin with. So, but Ime Yudoka's done a great job. I think there's any Eastern Conference Coach of the Year, uh, you can either have him or Eric Spolstra on that list. I thought that um, it was just a clinic in, you know, one team is basically running 
a two-man game with the other three guys standing around watching, hoping to get the ball and maybe be, have a chance to shoot, whereas the Celtics seem to be incorporating all five men into their offense, touching the balls, not so much just relying on picking rolls and matchups, but, you know, their sets and their continuity and their movement, like you said. Another backdrop of the series was the Ben Simmons story. Uh, ben Simmons, who was traded from um, the 76ers to the Nets, uh, did not play a single minute in the second half of the season or the playoffs. It was rumored that he would try to suit up before game three, um, but that did not come to fruition. He did not play in game four as well. Uh, it is being reported that he had back surgery uh, this week. So um, I didn't think that you could trade for damaged goods in professional sports, but apparently that's not the case in the NBA. So what can the next expect from this Ben Simmons trade um, if he is able to get back to some sort of reasonable form of health next year? Well, he's got to get a re- he's got to get the form of health physically, of course, but he's also got to get the mental. So I think he needs also a bit of therapy to get over what happened in Philadelphia. Uh, that's going to be the first and foremost thing because if your mental ain't right and if your mental hasn't been right since that um, since that layup situation that literally costs your career in Philly, then you got to get some you got to get some help to get past that. Um, so that's the first thing he needs to do. The second thing he needs to do while he's getting the first thing done is to get healthy, get back to um, get back to doing the drills to get um, to get his um, back correct and, and things of that sort as well. So phys- mental, physical, then you gotta get the emotional, you gotta get the, you gotta really face everybody in the locker room at the start of the season or reach out to your teammates in the offseason. Let them know, hey, I want to I want to be a part of this team. I want to get this chemistry going. Find some ways to build that chemistry with your teammates because they're probably side-dying you right now. Uh, you can't be sitting there looking like Skeeter Valentine on those sidelines and not expect anybody to take it seriously. I think at that point, he was more focused on how you can stand out on the team versus trying to fit in. So you got to find a way to fit in with his teammates. Um, you know, the guy, and, base, and then the last thing is he just needs to let the play on the court do the talking as well. After you make your peace with your teammates, go back to being what people know you can be and people and know what you can be most importantly because when Ben Simmons is engaged he's great on defense he's got a good 
interior game. He doesn't have a shot, but he has a good mid-range jumper, but he doesn't have a good outside shot. Just let me clarify the two. Um, but and that's another thing. Maybe he doesn't work on the threes. That's part of his play as well. Work on his three-point shooting. Um, but you got to let the play do the talking at that point. You know, if if you really can think about it, if you had Durant, Simmons, and Nicholas Claxton on your front court, that's a lot of length right there between those three. Those three will probably go sideline to sideline almost. At least three-point line to three-point line on the side. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a lot of length. Um, and that can be, that would be tremendous for the Nets because right now it's a one-sided trade. Right now, I mean, Seth Curry, Seth Curry did all he could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, right now, James Harden looks, he looked, well, regular season James Harden, I should say, looked great. Looks great with the beat of Tyrese Maxey. Uh, playoff James Harden hasn't been as impressive, but um, I think if he can do those four things, that ship can be corrected, and and uh, the Nets would the Nets would have a good um, the Nets would have a good. Um, team going forward, but it's really got to start with um, Ben Simmons getting the mental help he needs to get past what he's dealing with. Everything else can get right. Right. Yeah, I mean, all in all, hopefully, you know, he can like you said, get his physical self in condition and his mental and resume his career and be a contributor. Um, but it's just a difficult situation to put yourself in uh, when you, you know, when you see a team out there needing something that you can provide. And I don't know if he wasn't able or if, if the grievance of the $20 million lawsuit kind of was in his mind. was like, well, I don't need to go out here and play at all just to keep this lawsuit intact. But whatever the case, you know, or just, you know, I don't think if you're hurt, I think you should go out there and say, hey, I'm hurt, you know. But they've got, you know, film of you practicing. They got film of you at shoot around. You're talking yourself about coming back. And then when you don't and you see that you're in and then your team is, is just so, you know, despondent not really putting up a fight against Boston it just makes a lot of people question you know is he there to play basketball or is he just there to get his check and and keep it moving so a lot of questions left for Ben Simmons hopefully uh, the summer goes well with him for his health mental and physical and uh, when the season starts uh, next October he's ready to roll uh, the Milwaukee Bucks defend an NBA champions, if you have forgotten. Uh, they lose Chris Middleton, but they're still able to move past the Chicago Bulls. Chicago Bulls, uh, their first playoff run uh, in quite some time. 
a lot of young guys uh, on that team with their first playoff experiences. Uh, so, of course, uh, you know, they probably were a little overwhelmed, a little overmatched for the moment. Uh, but the Bucks, uh have a big loss in Chris Middleton. Uh, they move on to play the Celtics, so it's going to be a, a very difficult series for them uh, without having that reliable scoring, three-point shooting, uh, common presence uh, that Middleton provides uh, for the Bucks. The um, 76ers, they lost Joel Embiid to a facial fracture and a concussion in a 30 plus point blowout win they were over, up by 29 over Toronto uh, in the closeout game um, basically uh, there is a transition uh, going down and uh, Siakam uh, did a, a move and caught Joel and B with the elbow to the grill to the face and um, Cameroon on Cameroon crime yeah so he's got orbital fractures and, and, and uh, doesn't look like he's going to need surgery, but it doesn't look like he's going to be able to play at least until maybe game four. Um, so, of course, uh, the 76ers are in an instant hold to the Miami Heat uh, without uh, having Embiid. And a lot of people are, um, you know, again, questioning the logic of having such the basically your best player MVP candidate uh, on the floor in a game that was definitely uh, wrapped up, not in danger. Um, and, and Doc's reasoning pissed me off. You know what this man said? The other team had their starters out. You're up by 29. Mm-hmm. Eight in the four. Let the starters be out there. They're not going to raise that deficit that quickly. Mm-hmm. I said this on Twitter, and you know my my rooting hierarchy goes Celtics, Hornets, and NBA Jayhawks. So, MB's under that NBA Jayhawk um, hierarchy here. You're up by twenty six or twenty nine. I think Doc for that two thousand eight title, but it's not working with it's not working for him with Philly. I, I the and what's even worse about this twenty nine point blowout with this injury, this should have never happened because the Sixers should have won Game Five. Van Vliet was out. Toronto only really had Siakam at that point. There is no reason why they should have lost Game Five at home. That's, that game six should have never happened because the Sixers should have won game five at home. Now, because you slacked off in game five, you go to game six, blow them out the water like you should have done in Philly in game five, and then you lose your best player, your MVP candidate. And, yeah, that's that's where I'm kind of like, Doc, Doc probably needs to... Just let this go, or the Sixers need to find somebody else at this point. Because that's that that's egregious. It should not have happened. Dallas, the Mavericks, they got past Utah. Uh, that leaves the Jazz future uncertain. Donovan Mitchell has, um, you know, been disgruntled. 
Uh, doesn't look like he's feeling the combination of himself and Rudy Gobert as the main two cogs in the Jazz's uh, offense. Uh, Mike Conley, a year older, a year closer to retirement. Uh, Joe Ingles was hurt, missed the season with the ACL. And he was traded. Yep, and he got traded. So um, just a lot of questions for the Utah Jazz uh, coming up this summer to see uh, uh, how their team looks uh, coming into next season. Um, if you could foresee Donovan Mitchell making a request for someone to come join him, uh, who would you think would pair up well with him? Hmm. Good question. Um, uh, probably wouldn't happen. But we're live, we're gonna live in the fantasy world of this one. Um, it likely it wouldn't happen, but. I could see at a bio. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's got the offense. He's got the offense and the defense intensity. Um, you know, he would let, you know, he would, if Mitchell, if Mitchell is like on the bench or if he's in foul trouble, I think he has that ability to be that second guy. To uh, to compliment because he does a great job with that with Jimmy Butler, um, and I think I think at times he is the primary option over Butler, um, but then he's got the defense as well. Um, I would really have to take a look at any upcoming free agents. I mean, Jokic would be good, but he's gonna. You're about to get like, that super max. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, Jokic would be out. Um, you know, that would be a good uh, combination there. Um, trying to think who else. Um, you could probably maybe use of Nurkic. Um, considering what uh, Nurkic has. Nurkic's um, relationship with Daniel Lillard has always been a positive one. Um, I know that Nurkic has gone on the record to say that if Lillard left Portland, he wants out too. So uh, we don't know what the future may be, may be there, only because, I mean, we already see what's going on. C.J. McCollum got traded. To New Orleans in the offseason, the, during the season, I should say. And so, you know, Nurkic could be on the move. He could do a Nurkic or Gobert swap, depending off the salaries match and any contract restructure and things of that sort, too. The Warriors, their small ball lineup proved too much for Denver. Uh, Denver's hurt, um, not really at full strength. Um, basically for them to be, uh, you know, in the upper half of the Western Conference was a really good testament to uh, their coaching staff and uh, the Joker uh, being the playmaker, scorer, 
rebounder that he is. But the Warriors uh, seem to be hitting their stride against Denver. Uh, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson seem to be uh, finding their old Splash Brothers form with help from Jordan Poole. Um, I thought that a guy that I've really been kind of, I thought would have a much better season in his role and thought he would be a bigger factor for the Warriors was Otto Porter coming into this yeah. season. I, I thought that, you know, with him being a great defender and three-point shooter uh, coming off the bench for the Warriors to kind of add to their uh, what their bench mentality has been over the past few years, I thought that would be a really good fit, but he just hasn't seemed to um, be consistent in his... Um, he's not what Kelly Oubre was for them. Right, right, right. Um, he's he's bigger. Uh, he's more versatile and able to guard, you know, a couple of the three positions. But, yeah, the scoring punch that uh, he had shown for the past couple of years uh, definitely hasn't been there for the Warriors. So uh, that's been something that's been kind of uh, strange to me uh, yeah. this year. Yeah, I, I agree with that, um, that, that sentiment and – Prayers went for Gary Payton the second. I think his elevated play also kind of overshadowed what Otto Porter could have done. Probably took away some of those minutes with um, not only Gary Payton, but Jordan Poole as well. Right. Uh, I think those two have emerged um, late in the season, and they were key assets in, in the playoffs in that first round. Um, of course, with uh, what Dylan Brooks did to Gary Payton in, in that game two, that was um, a, that was definitely excessive. Now uh, he's out for approximately three weeks at this point. So yeah, um, Warriors in Memphis—they're uh, playing each other in the semifinals. Uh, for those who maybe didn't see it, uh, Dylan Brooks in the first game got absolutely baptized by Gary Payton Jr. Uh, in, in game one. Game two, Gary Payton Jr. is on a breakaway uh, going up for another dunk, and Dylan Brooks is trailing him, and he winds up and hits Payton in the head while he's in midair, knocks him out of the air. Gary Payton puts his arm down to brace himself for the fall, ends up fracturing his elbow. Um, so now the Warriors' number one defender against John Morant is out of the series. And John Morant took advantage by scoring 46, 47, excuse me, in game two in a five-point win. So that series is now tied at one game apiece. Speaking of Memphis, uh, they benefited from three major four-quarter collapses by the Timberwolves uh, to win that series. Um there's only one game that Memphis really won outright. Um, the rest of these games, uh, Minnesota just folded like, um, you know, just inexperience, um, immaturity, um, you know, bad coaching. Yeah. I was about to say that too. bad coaching, just a, a whole bunch of things that, that lead to them not moving on and being actually the team to play the Warriors. Um, I think that, People see Minnesota in a different light, though, after they did make the playoffs. Carl Anthony Towns, his first trip into the playoffs. Anthony Edwards, his first trip into the playoffs. Um, I think Carl Anthony Towns may finally realize what type of leadership uh, he needs to exhibit. 
uh, going forward, um, you know, after this experience, because, you know, you don't really, you know, it's one thing to be the leader of a team and you win 25 games a season. Uh, and there's a difference when you now all of a sudden make the playoffs and, and there's a different level of uh, leadership that you have to exhibit um, from game to game, series to series. But I, I think people are more um, bullish on Minnesota at the end of the season after this performance against Memphis uh, than they've been in quite a while. It'll be able, be interesting to see if if they can, uh, you know, add a little bit to their team through the draft and in free agency and make that next jump where they win a playoff series and, and, and go a little bit farther. But um, like I said, Memphis definitely um, – Fortunate to get past Minnesota in the first round. And then our last series saw Chris Paul carry the Phoenix Suns uh, to a series victory over the Pelicans. Uh, Devin Booker got injured. Game two did not fi- uh, finish the series out. But Chris Paul in the closeout game uh, didn't miss a shot. <laughs> uh, had a 100% pure shooting percentage. Chris Paul, very crafty, um, getting away with a lot of just veteran stuff. Uh, there was one point last night where uh, Jalen Brunson is bringing the ball up half court. Chris Paul is literally running up his back with Jalen Brunson dribbling low, shielding him with his body just to keep him away from the ball. Chris Paul somehow manages to finagle his arm into Dylan Brooks's arm, and they call a foul on Dylan Brooks. Like, what? Dylan <laughs> on Jalen Brunson, uh, excuse me. Like, what did I just <laughs> see? Like, like this is just this is just not fair. <laughs> well, Chris Paul's had that that uh, good boy persona, dirty player reputation for years. So, um, hey. It's a great heel move. If you can get away with it, go for it. Um, Got to respect it. But my favorite play of that game was when um, he faked out. I, 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 he faked out somebody. I think it was Trey Burke. It may have been somebody else. But sent the fly into the air, made the layup, and basically motioned to Jason Kidd to call a timeout. <laughs> um, that was definitely – some troll shit right there, but um, one of the things also, um, it's a good thing the Mavericks are going home because I think Luka Doncic has been focused more on the fans than he has on the game, especially in game two. Um, he was more worried about what the fans are saying to him and responding back. And just like you are the star player, you're going to get the ire of the fans and I don't know what was said and like maybe something that was over the line set him off which rightfully so he has every right to react as he's a human being and fans definitely need to not cross the line but if it was just um, if it was basketball related then that's the part of the game you gotta block uh, the series against the Suns, though, is, is uh, revealing that 
their off the Dallas's offense is too simplistic. Um, Jason Kidd is not employing the Princeton style principles of his offense that has been so successful in all the other stops uh, that he has been as a head coach or an assistant coach. Um, it's just a lot of kind of what Houston used to run with James Harden under D'Antoni. Just, okay, Luca, you bring the ball up. We set screen after screen after screen, and everybody else goes stand over there and wait for him to pass the ball or shoot it. Um, it's not really a lot of ball movement, player movement, and it makes it especially a team with a lot of interchangeable parts after you get past Chris Paul as far as height and athleticism. Uh, the Suns, it, it just doesn't threaten them in any way because, right. you know. Then, uh, you'll then have um, Jay Crowder or Mikel Bridges right there on the wings. You have Devin Booker if you switch off on the guard and then you go on the middle, you've got DeAndre Aiden right there. Right. So, I mean, you know, they'll let him, you know, uh, the biggest advantage that they can really try to rely on is getting Luka on the Chris Paul and have him post up. But, I mean, of course, like you just said, you got all these people coming from the weak side to bother him, um, you know, which will make him force the ball to pass. And then Dallas doesn't make open shots out of those double teams. And if they're not going to rebound, which has also been a huge problem for them in the first two games where they've played some pretty good defense, but they haven't been able to rebound. Phoenix has been killing them on the offensive boards. Uh, so those two things right ne- there have kind of um, been my biggest takeaways is that, man, Dallas really needs to maybe run more, you know, zone. not maybe not zone, but just as far as offense goes, just not run so much isolation. Like yeah, it's just, you know, run some sets, run some things where everybody is involved. Um, we can take advantage of Lucas scoring and passing. Uh, and not just the scoring. The way that they're running offense right now, I mean, they're just taking advantage of the scoring. He's had two big scoring games, but they've been blown out. So uh, they probably need to uh, change the way that they're uh, tactically trying to play offense. And just um, maybe I don't know what they're – I know they kind of want to play small to try to get Phoenix to try to play small, but they may have to try to match up a little bit more – with Powell and uh, the other kid, I can't think of his Keebler or Kebler. Uh, yeah, defensively to try to keep Aiden and those guys off the boards offensively. Yeah, um, Porzingis is gone, so you don't have that height anymore. So. Yeah, yeah. The the rebounding is definitely uh, kind of been one of the the biggest um, disadvantages Dallas has gone up against in the series so far. It's just, uh, you know, they've, they've played initial really good defense, but then they can't secure the rebound, giving Phoenix extra shots, uh, which is definitely not a good thing. Um, the way Chris Paul is shooting, the way Booker's playing right now as well. Right, and then also, I mean, all they got to do is just watch the tape for the Milwaukee Bucks in that finals run. All Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee didn't have a height advantage, but what they did was crash the boards. Everybody went to the board. So it's also a simple desire to get the ball before your opponent as well. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So um, semifinals are taking place now. We got Milwaukee and Boston tied up at one. 
We've got the Heat 2-0 over the 76ers. We've got Memphis and Golden State tied at 1. And we've got Dallas up 2-0 over, or excuse me, uh, Phoenix up 2-0 over Dallas. So NBA playoffs are, are well underway. And uh, we'll be getting to the Eastern and Western Conference Finals and the Finals uh, in the next uh, few weeks. So look at June 2nd. Yep, looking forward to uh, to to that Memphis and uh, Warriors series. Um, if it doesn't get marred up by these uh, hard files, is just going to be an offensive showcase of talent. Um, no matter what kind of defenses both teams are going to try to employ, um, I don't think they're going to offer too much resistance against the people in the games. Uh, it's going to come down to limiting the stars and, and seeing whose role players uh, can show up on a more consistent basis night to night. Because I, I don't think, even though, um, you know, they don't have Gary Payton uh, in the lineup, I, I don't think the Warriors are going to let John Morant explode for that big of a deal again. I think their goal is, hey, if we can keep him to 30 and uh, – hold the other guys down to, I think they can live with that, but they can't let them go for almost 50. All right, Dwayne, at this time, sir, I'm going to turn it over to you for your final thoughts and shout outs and thank yous. Well, shout out to all the listeners on the CSPN. Um, Shout out to all of the podcasters near and far that are doing their thing. Shout out to you, Don, for having me as always. Um, thank you to the CSPN as well. My final thought would basically be let's go to the pitch. Let's go to Liverpool. They have a chance to get an unprecedented quadruple, which would mean they will win the two major domestic tournaments. They won the FA Cup by the Football Association. Well, no, they won the League Cup, which is uh, uh, the original um, tournament. And then they have the Football Association Cup, the FA Cup, that they play next Saturday against Chelsea at Wembley Stadium. If they win that, they'll have the double. Uh, they trail Manchester City by a point in the Premier League title race with about five uh, matches to go. Got a huge match against Tottenham Hotspur at Anfield. Um, hopefully, um, they can take advantage of City Psyche after their collapse against Real Madrid last night. Um, and then if they win the Premier League, that's three trophies. They can win the Champions League final on May 28th in Paris. Um, If they can win all four, uh, it will be an unprecedented quadruple. Uh, Liverpool is just dominating Uh, right now. This is probably one of the best eras of Liverpool football. Proud to be a fan. You never never walk alone. And it's just great entertainment to watch. also, locally, shout out to Nashville SC. They opened their new soccer stadium, Geodis Park, uh, the largest soccer stadium in the U.S., 30,000 people. 
uh, the seats, and it is definitely a beautiful facility. I cannot wait to go to a game and uh, definitely share that uh, once I do. All right, Dwayne, well, thank you once again for joining me here on Another Score. Can't do this without you. I'm so glad that you can always be able to join me here, give your insight and your perspectives on the major things happening in the world of sports. A shout out to everybody here on the network, CSPN, everybody over the Comic Book Chronicles, all of my co-hosts that help me uh, with the Russellcast each and every week. Definitely appreciate everybody's times and efforts. Um, I think my final thought this week would just be that May is here, so it's kind of like October when all the sports kind of get to this uh, big combination where you have so many things going on. You got NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, you got baseball, you've got motorsports as uh, Indianapolis 500, Coca-Cola 600 taking place this month, two crown jewels. You got the Kentucky Derby taking place this weekend, first weekend in May. Uh, So just a lot of things going on for the sports fan. Uh, If you're into uh, playoffs and and golf majors and and all these things kind of leading into the summer. But May is kind of the kickoff uh, where everything kind of ramps up big time uh, going in, uh, you know, before the finals of the NBA and the uh, the NHL kick in. So just understanding that May is such a wonderful time of the year. It's getting warmer outside and – uh, sports are in full bloom as well. So, t- you know, check out playoffs, check out the Kentucky Derby, uh, check out the NASCAR, the IndyCar, just a lot of things uh, going down in May. So, for my co host, Dwayne, I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.